Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. And today we are going really to understand impact and investment. And we do it with an expert and a strategist, Ilkay Demirdag. Thank you so much, Ilkay, for being here with us today. Such a pleasure. Thank you for the kind invites. Ilkay, you have worked extensively. You have um, consulted with important companies really embedding impact and ESG in their strategy and work. But the usual question for us is, who is Ilkay? Can you share a bit your sustainability journey? I have 25 years of experience and my background is in private equity, corporate finance, M&A and strategy. And I have worked in UK for 10 years, Bahrain for a year and the rest in Turkey. I had the opportunity to be part of, you know, big corporations, conglomerates, private equity firms and sat in different, you know, seats, being a buyer, seller, financer, consultant. And that all gave me so much exposure to a deal cycle and really made me focus on creating value, not just for shareholders, but for all stakeholders. And that was a, you know, starting point for me because I realized, you know, with capitalism, we're just focusing on shareholder value. And with everything changing in the world so rapidly, we really need to think about all uh, stakeholders. And that's what triggered my sustainability journey. And I wanted to really shift towards more meaningful uh, investments and focus on impact investing. That's the start of it. You know, I think it's the journey of everybody as really trying to solve the the planet, the problems and really transform also capitalism. And the subsequent question is really, what is the focus and what led to focus on this nexus, you know, sustainability and impact investing? Why you have chosen that path? I'm quite a sensitive person generally. And of course, you know, I'm more sensitive, sensitive about nature and people's well-being. And I really wanted to change the mindsets of people in their decision-making processes for how they do business, how they consume, and how they invest. That was really my starting point, uh, because we see impact of climate change and social inequalities more and more every day. We need to really act immediately because it's getting really severe. And if you don't really collectively change our behaviors, mindsets, and our investment focuses, it's going to be far too late. Also, you know, I'm from Turkey, coming from an emerging market. I'm exposed to a lot of volatility, political, geopolitical, economical. And, you know, seeing all these tensions uh, and the impact of it on the society, I get more um, actually uh, cautious about sustainable economic development. Because while economic problems deepen, we should not only just discuss how to increase the welfare, but we also need to develop on how it can be more equitably shared. And sustainable economic development is the answer to that. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm really envisaging a world where all investments honor the planet and its inhabitants. That's like my mission. Indeed, a great mission. And it, it, it's such, so important, especially in this decade, which is the decade that we have still to, to really rebalance a bit our planet. 
And now we are going a bit deeper, of course, in your experience with corporate world and your work extensively as board member, investor. What are the strategies? Because we, we know sometimes uh, we have the more academic and in the air discussion, but now we want to understand from your experience, practical experience, what are the most effective strategies for transforming company to improve the, what we call ESG, the environmental, social and governance factors? And I think it's a very challenging task as well. Uh, it depends really on, on the industry size of the company, its current ESG performance, the ecosystem, it's, uh, it's in it, you know, like which country, what are the regulations and so forth. Uh, but uh, in my experience, you know, there are some effective strategies that can really help drive positive change in this respect. And the first part is really to start with setting clear goals and targets. And I think, you know, aligning this with the company's overall mission and values is critical because if you cannot do that, usually what, what you see in the organization is, uh, you know, uh, the top management talks about a strategy which doesn't really connect with the rest of the company. And usually, you know, there is a miscommunication uh, about, you know, where they're heading to and how they're going to be doing that. And usually operational people do their, you know, daily job, but they don't really understand the impact of that on environmental, social and governance aspects. So really setting clear goals and targets and communicating this among the company is very important. And of course, to realize that you need board and executive leadership commitment, because without that, really, you cannot drive the change. And in most of the ESG ratings and indices, they ask whether, you know, uh, executive leadership's KPIs are linked to the ESG and sustainability uh, strategies. That's something very important. You know, you really need to put KPIs in the executive management's performance targets and make sure, you know, they're very committed to that. And also integrate the ESG into the business strategy. You cannot really think of these two separately. Your strategy should be embedded on the ESG factors. That's very important. And if you want to really create a successful transition, engaging with a wide range of stakeholders, including employees, customers, investors, uh, NGOs, academia, is very, very important uh, because we realize, you know, stakeholders view change uh, the dynamics of the sectors and the future plans of companies as well. So getting feedback from all stakeholders and making sure you're embedding that into the strategy is critical. And of course, you need to be very transparent and report your ESG performance. Uh, sometimes, you know, companies tend to show the uh, good uh, ESG stories only, which is not realistic. I mean, there is a progress. It's a long journey. I mean, even companies with good uh, performances, they have way to go. So you really need to report on your performance and be very transparent about it as well. Of course, employee engagement and training is important. And engaging your supply chain is very important, especially for scope three emissions. You need to make sure, you know, uh, not just your own operations, but your supply chain is uh, compliant with ESG metrics as well. And that's, I think, the most critical and the difficult part, especially in countries like Turkey and developing countries where, you know, getting data or aligning a supply chain for these kind of, you know, standards is, is can be quite tricky. And indeed, there are a lot and a lot of insightful advice. And I want to pick something that you just say at the end, because we know that the world 
and then we have the frontiers and the, the, the new emerging market will be uh, the protagonist of the future and which they have and they have an important also part to play, especially in the new wave of capitalism and regenerative economy. And of course, you have worked, you have two eyes. One eye is with the, let's say, more established economy. You have worked in the UK and, and other area. And of course, also in the emerging market, Turkey and other areas. So can you discuss a bit the, the unique challenges and opportunity that each type of market they have. So we don't have a, a common recipe for the really for the sustainability and impact investing. Well, I think, you know, having worked in different geographies and I'm active in uh, different countries uh, as we speak as well with the funds that I'm involved with. And I see, you know, different challenges, as you stated, develop emerging markets. Maybe, you know, as an overall, I can comment in developed markets, there are established frameworks and greater investor awareness where you don't really find that in emerging markets. But then on the other side, you know, on the emerging markets, you have more opportunities for impactful investments because there are more problems and there, there's so much to be done. And what you do has more impacts. And the solutions you actually come up in emerging markets can be scaled up in different emerging markets as well, like, you know, uh, social welfare access to capital, those kind of things can be really used in different markets as well. But generally, you know, if I compare developed markets and emerging markets, my experience is in developed markets, you come across more well-established financial systems and more comprehensive and standardized ESG uh, data. Whereas, you know, in emerging markets, as I said before, it's difficult to access to the reliable ESG data. On developed markets, you have regulatory frameworks which encourage or mandate ESG disclosures and reporting, whereas in emerging markets, it's, it's at an earlier stage where it's more, you know, not compulsory, but like, you know, good to do. And uh, of course, ESG reporting and disclosures are less developed compared to developed markets. Again, in developed markets, you have a developed ecosystem of sustainable investment products such as green bonds, sustainability team funds, impact investing platforms, acceleration pro programs. These actually provide investors a broad range of investment options. Whereas, you know, um, in emerging markets, these kind of products are more limited and at more early stages. And the market is not really used to using these products as well. So there's room for improvement in that respect. I think one advantage uh, of emerging markets is you have a greater willingness to adopt innovative solutions, and this can create opportunities for sustainable businesses and technologies. Uh, you're more open to try new technologies or innovate for uh, the problems you uh, encounter, whereas in developed markets, everything is more you know, defined, I guess. The regulatory systems is there, so change is more difficult. Uh, and takes more time and you need more investments, I guess. But in emerging markets with less equity, you can create more impact for sure. Thank you so much for, for this work. And then you see the difference from these two markets. One problem and challenge we can all envisage, and I know also from your experience and my experience here, everybody that company is also consumer they face. It is the, the now the new trend of putting and claiming everything is green. So the, the notorious greenwashing. So how do you ensure really, especially in your work and your investment strategies, 
How do you ensure that companies are not engaging in those type of practices and they are instead generally committed to create a positive impact on the people and planet? It's the genuine commitment and it takes time to really identify whether a company is really greenwashing or not or really sincere about what they are talking about. I think you need to do a lot of due diligence, engage with company directly and their uh, its stakeholders, get you know inputs from external experts, consultants to really understand you know whether the data provided is accurate. For that I think you know uh, as a general comment, I think having robust, robust uh, ESG disclosure systems in place in the countries is very important. You need to have frameworks, but even when you have the frameworks, people, people might really, you know, cheat and put just the right words in the ESG disclosure. So there, independent verification uh, becomes quite important. I mean, for the last company I was working for uh, in Turkey, which was a listed company, I actually had independent verification for all the non-financial data. And that really helps in terms of your ratings in ESG indices uh, and rating systems as well. So I would definitely recommend having an independent verification. It's not very common, but it's very, very important. And also I would check whether, you know, the company has a materiality assessment, which really involves all stakeholders and focus on critical sustainability uh, targets and issues of the company. Without that, I wouldn't really put or give too much credits. I would check whether the company has materiality assessment and integrates to the ESG strategy as well as the corporate strategy. That's, you know, what I see quite critical. Also, you know, uh, with the uh, communication language the company uses, I would check whether they're more focused on short term or long term because, you know, executives mostly, they're uh, very short term oriented because they are actually uh, their performance is based on short term performance so companies you know uh, uh performance kpis should be long term integrating you know sustainability kpis into it and also you know the the um, the way the company acts needs to be in line with that i mean are they really thinking about the long term effects and impacts of their businesses in the environment and the society, are they really taking the right measures about it or not? Or, or are they just talking about it? Definitely. And, and this is really true also to see the language tell us a lot about what is happening also on the background. And for sure now you have hinted, you know, also to some of the work that you have done. But I want to ask, and usually this is a question that our audience likes a lot, you can share some success stories of organization of work that uh, you have done, you have invested into it, which they have made some measurable impact on people and the planet. Uh, yes, I mean, maybe I can start with a global example and then uh, give one local uh, example uh, from uh, a portfolio company that we have invested in. The first one which really inspires me is Patagonia. Of course, you know, they had a lot of actions in their operations for uh, reducing environmental footprint, uh, promoting fair labor practices. But the the most, you know, uh, I think stunning part about them is, you know, how they donated a significant portion of their profits to environmental organizations. And as far as I know, it was one of uh, its first example. And I think, you know, in addition to how you operate, you know, managing your um, 
profits, then directing them to useful purposes is amazing. I found uh, Patagonia's story quite, you know, inspiring. And the other example I would give is from Turkey, from an impact fund that I'm involved with. We are um, actually, uh, we have invested in a company called Work Company, which basically provides off-balance sheet financing mechanisms to uh, online traders. Usually these people do not have, you know, access to banking because they don't have too much capital. They cannot really expand their businesses. And with this company, we basically have our own risk management analysis and we provide them financing. Of course, the goods and inventory uh, belong to us. You know, they have the ability to extend their purchasing power and uh, immediately, you know, after getting investments from us, it's not investments, but financing that we corrected. In just one year, their uh, revenues grow by two, three uh, times. And for that, you know, I, I found that very important because having access to capital and, you know, creating social welfare to people that do not have access to financing is quite critical because you don't only impact them, but these, these are, you know, families with, you know, four or five households. So you immediately uh, increase the social welfare of a family. And the business itself is very profitable. So I really want to give this as an example because sometimes people think, okay, when you do impact investing, you need to really compromise from your profits, which is not the case. You can still, you know, have good profits while doing good for the environment and society. In fact, that is also the way, you know, it's not people or planet or environment is and. So we have to have, this and it's really sometimes people they think oh as you said no you have to compromise something but they can be all together and reinforce one another in this work you have mentioned even before it is also important the role of stakeholders especially in emerging markets where you know we have also this part of uh, other actors that are working in the space especially sometimes mainly also at the grassroots or even maybe at the advocacy level so what is the role of ngos and non-corporate entities in uh, driving this uh, sustainable economic development and responsible investment? Uh, well, especially in countries like, you know, uh, Turkey, where you're lacking proper regulation or proper, you know, systems for institutions, the role of NGOs become even more important because I think, you know, NGOs really drive sustainable economic development and responsible investments, and they have different, uh, you know, ways of doing it depending on where they are active. I mean, I'm active in a lot of different NGOs and I actually uh, set up a foundation. It's called Impact Circles. And we are focusing on social and environmental issues in our region with a more impact-driven philanthropy. So, you know, I, I'm involved in NGOs a lot. So I can give you examples of, you know, how we use our NGOs to make change. First of all, you know, you're like acting like the ad advocacy. And you're raising so much awareness about the topics you're standing up for. Uh, you can conduct research, you can create capacity, you can create partnerships and, you know, create more impact. You can contribute to the development and implementation of standards and certifications and really uh, impose on using these standards. Uh, of course, you, with the small projects you're implementing, you're creating showcases and good examples, which then can be replicated with bigger financing options or with bigger involvement of other stakeholders. And you can get involved in policy engagement as well. 
I think these are very important roles that NGOs have. And I see, you know, especially in Turkey, some of the NGOs are quite uh, strong in terms of building capacity, creating awareness, changing policies, which I find very important, really. And thank you so much, Ilkay, for this, because it's really, I, I can see in the same experience we have uh, in Africa, it's really, especially in the Kenya, where we are more based, we know it is really this synergy and work together, NGO, corporate world, and other actors to really change also the environment and the work. And you have an extensive experience and we want to tap a bit on your expertise to get some tips for our audience and, and the people that are listening to us. So the first question is more, I've seen you have done a lot of talk and discussion, you have consulted in big companies and even in the NGO world. So what are the key messages that you try to convey? Also, how maybe you can convey to raise awareness about the ESG, sustainability, and impact investing? Well, my experience is, you know, there are buzzwords that become very popular in every society, and sustainability and ESG are one of those. I see, you know, a lot of people talking about these subjects, but these are very limited to really fight with the complex problems that we are facing today uh, globally, both uh, environmentally, economically, and socially. So we really need a more integrated thinking system. And we really need to change the mindsets towards short-termism to long-termism, towards shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism, towards creating you know, impact rather than just being sustainable. So these are the, you know, topics that I focus mostly in the things that I do. I take part in, in panels. I do my own events. You know, I try to create awareness for impact investing, integrated thinking, uh, conscious leadership, because that's something very important as well. We need more conscious leaders with these, you know, in mind. So, you know, these are the topics I want to really focus on. And I do a lot uh, of content, actually. And it's really also, you know, the, the way we are starting with this podcast to try to give voice and word and bringing awareness in the space. And the second question for tips and discussions, because uh, as you see, we, we keep discovering uh, your holistic profile, I might say, you are also a mindfulness trainer, a professional coach. And I want to ask, how do you incorporate these skills? in your work as a strategies of investment and impact. So how these practices also contribute to your overall approach? First, I, I start with why I wanted to, you know, really deep dive into these subjects because they're really not in my core business area. But as anybody else, I think, you know, throughout your career or professional life, you come across, you know, so many different challenges and you struggle, you know, finding a solution and you realize, you know, how important to have a good, you know, welfare uh, first with yourself, then to contribute to the ecosystem. So uh, I started, you know, studying all these things just because I wanted to create a better version of myself. But the more I got into it, the more I realized, you know, how much it contributes basically to being a conscious leader. Because you first connect with yourself better, which gives actually space uh, to connect with the others better as well. So overall, you know, you know, after studying mindfulness and personal coaching, I realized, you know, actually my leadership style changed as well. Now, you know, I'm more connected 
And all these practices help me with a more holistic approach, as you said, because it's not just about business. People is is very important uh, component competent of you know the equation. Uh, without making sure people is okay, you cannot think that the business will be okay. So having a holistic approach, value driven approach, really helps with all these practices. I think you know what what I realize. You know. It, it really supported the cultivation of self-awareness in me, developed emotional intelligence and empathy. Definitely it enhances your strategic clarity and focus because you are more really trying to be focused on the moment rather than, you know, being extracted with too many things, which is really challenging because we're almost triggered with so many things every second and uh, being focused is, is very important it clears your mind about your mission your values the way you want to go uh, setting your strategy i think being focused is quite critical again all this you know encourage system thinking mindset which is really important again for integrated value creation and of course you know it, it reduces your stress and increases your resilience indeed it's really important because it is the way also you get, especially the focus part with the many distractions that we have, it's, it's really important and also to have a clear vision where you want to go and being, I, I like a lot, being present in the moment, which is sometimes uh, we found in many meetings, people are not present there and so decisions are, are not that wise. And, you know, we will talk with you more and more and discuss, you know, but I, we are also, we are approaching the, the end of the episode. And the last question that we give to, to our guests and we ask them is to, to talk with our global audience that spans all over the continent to see what is Ilkai, a final call to action to individual organization and people that they want to, they look to create and give their voice to a sustainable and prosperous world. I would say, you know, take responsibility and act now. We always think, you know, the solutions are not within us, but around us. And that's a big delusion. I think everything starts with uh, self-awareness. So I think we need to really educate ourselves, take more responsibility, set ambitious goals, because, I mean, this is not somebody else's responsibility. And sometimes people say, okay, oh, I'm just one person. What can I change? That's a really, you know, wrong statement. I think you can change so much, starting from yourself in your own ecosystem and that has really the butterfly effect which i love starting from yourself you know have better connection with yourself understand your values you know have big ambitions and really work hard for it because we are already late and we need to act very immediately that's how i see it thank you so much ilkay for this insights and for this wonderful episode it's been a pleasure and honor hosting you thank you so much such a pleasure uh, meeting you and thank you for giving me space. I really like your energy. I like your attitude, you know, how you come up with these questions, understanding the whole ecosystem and trying to really contribute to it. I appreciate, you know, people like you and thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you so much. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.